Hey everybody, welcome to The Geek Generation. I am your host, Rob Logan. And on this week's episode, we will be having an in-depth discussion of Wonder Woman. I will be joined in just a moment in the spoiler room by my friend Todriel, who is a streamer on Twitch. And you can watch her at twitch.tv slash Todriel. So before we go into the spoiler room, guys, just one final warning that we will be discussing Wonder Woman in its entirety, spoilers and all, and we'll be hopping into the spoiler room in just a moment to do that. So if you have not yet seen Wonder Woman, I highly recommend that you go out, watch the movie, and then come back and listen to the episode. With that being said, let's jump right in. Access granted. Welcome. So Wonder Woman, uh, the first thing that I guess we should touch on is the fact that we finally have a good DC movie since the extended universe started. It feels like it's been so long. I know, I feel so bad for them. It took them so long. Yeah. <laughs> this is their, what, they had uh, Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, Suicide Squad. It took them four shots. Four shots to land one, and that is not good. Mm, which, Batman v Superman, I didn't even take the time to watch because I heard such awful things about it. You are so um, lucky. So lucky. I, that's what everybody says. They're like, just don't do it. Just don't ruin your life. And so I don't. I don't watch it. Um, Suicide Squad, yeah, no. And very much like Man of Steel, very deja vu when mm. watching Wonder Woman. It felt like there was a lot of like homages to to Man of Steel and to Superman. It felt very much like, because I mean, they have similar stories. Sure. Similar backstory, so it felt very, uh, very Superman-y when I was watching it. I noticed a lot of things in general that Wonder Woman pulled influences from other movies, largely Captain America: The First Avenger. Not yeah. just because it was a, a period piece, but uh, assembling like the brigade and stuff mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. all. It all felt exactly like the Howling the Commandos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very. It does feel very that way, and like Indiana Jones. I felt it was very Indiana Jonesy and like Steve Trevor and his character very much so. Um, Chris Pine yeah, actually talked about he talked about being influenced by Indiana Jones to play Steve yeah. Trevor. He yeah. actually um, like in the punch he throws in London in the alley, uh, mm-hmm. he does like the handshake that Indy mm-hmm. does in his movie. Mm-hmm. He was like, I pulled that directly from Harrison yeah. Ford. Yeah, I think I read a few because I've been just obsessed with it ever since it came out and just kind of interested in what people are saying about it. Mm. And um, a few of the of the scenes, the major scenes, especially when he flirts with Dr. Poison, Mm -hmm. he pulls those major um, influences, I guess, from Indiana Jones, which I think it worked really well. Absolutely. It didn't feel like a ripoff. No. So it felt very, very authentic. I loved it. So before we get too deep into the movie, I'm curious what your personal history and attachment to Wonder Woman is. Okay. Um, I mean, obviously, you know that I talk about just feminism quite often Mm -hmm. um, on my stream and in my Discord uh, with my community, and you know how important it is to me. I have kind of followed the comic, The New 52, since it it came out about two years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's been my main obsession with Wonder Woman, but it's always been throughout growing up, it's been a major symbol of just strong women because I didn't really see a lot of that as a, as a child, mm. um, especially playing video games. It was just kind of a back, a back burner figure that I always kind of reference myself to. Sure. Um, 
of course it was all over media it's it's on my mug i had like a t-shirt and didn't even know who she was when i was a kid so i i kind of always was influenced by her but until i got older didn't really read any of the comics or know what, what it was about mm-hmm. um so i would say my major influence right now is the new 52 the newest series and it's such a dark series mm-hmm. and to see it kind of be played into the film was incredibly refreshing and satisfying. Yeah. Um, it was important for me personally to have a woman on this podcast with me for this particular episode, because yeah. as much as I enjoy the character and I do have an attachment to it just as a fan, yeah. I I am not going to ever have that gender attachment to yeah. it. So it, yeah. it is it is different. For me. I'm not going to pretend like that's <laughs> not yeah. something that's prominent with it. Right. And I think that is probably the biggest thing that was for me, too, is that she is one of the most well-known symbols in comic book world. Mm-hmm. And it, it being, you know, a, a male-dominated industry, she is the most well-known. And she's been, you know, everything throughout the history since the 40s, since she's come to, to being. She's been a symbol of, you know, strength. She's been a sex symbol. She's been everything. Mm-hmm. And, to yeah, I think to see that transform with the feminist movement has been really... Uh, really transformative yeah for yeah, me yeah. Um, to kind of to to go back and now that the films come out and to go read into like what she's done throughout history just being wonder woman and being a figure for people it's it's really special i think it's a lot different than a lot of other comic book heroes mm. one of the things that's kind of changed along with wonder woman over uh time too is her outfit there's been outrage as to like how little she wears or when she puts on too much i personally mm-hmm. i know i'm in the minority here I loved when they put pants on her. Yeah, no, totally. I loved it. And people yeah, are, people thought it was weird. They're like, you're going against like her normal thing. Like I liked the almost kind of black biker jacket yeah. that she had on. And yeah. Jim Lee had yeah, done yeah, that yeah. whole redesign. And that's still my favorite Wonder Woman costume. Yeah, um, I agree. There has been some heat uh, as to her wearing a skirt in this. Yeah. I think they're getting awfully nitpicky. Yeah, totally. And I think that that kind of plays true to like it being a female superhero. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, that's what they're going to focus on. Why is that even like an issue? Like, Absolutely. Talking about that. Um, no, I asked a few of my my uh, my friends that have kind of followed the series as well. Um, one of them being a, a guy that he specifically was really angry about the costume choice as well. Um, and his first thing was, you know, her boobs weren't big enough. And yeah. That's the criticism. Like, yeah. It's one thing if you're like she's her body type. Like I heard the the not as muscular thing, which I yeah. I get to an yeah. extent because it's a comic book thing, I think more than a gender mm-hmm. thing. But I've also always been curious why Superman is this big muscular guy when what is he doing to actually work out and maintain his muscle mass? Totally. He can lift anything. So would totally. he not have like this <laughs> killer dad bod? Like it makes right. sense that she's not yeah, going to be working out. Yeah. No, and that's something when I first saw the stills for her and her costume like three years ago when they started leaking everything and mm-hmm. they said that uh, Gal was going to be – is it Gal or Gal? Uh, Gal Gadot. Gadot. Gal mm-hmm. Gadot. Okay. I've heard so many different pronunciations I know. over the past few weeks. It's so bad. <laughs> I feel bad for her. Um, but essentially she it came out like three years ago and it was the costume that she's wearing now. Mm-hmm. I think a little bit different. And she was a lot thinner than I was expecting. And in the, or like the new 52, the one that it's mostly based upon, um, 
the muscle definition is a lot more prevalent, mm -hmm. which was really when I first started reading it, I was like, yes, of course. Like, why would she be this stick figure kind of woman, which I'm kind of hitting myself on the hand now because, you know, strength doesn't necessarily have to relate directly towards muscle. Mm -hmm. um, and I think now that I've seen the film twice, it's very clear that that's not something that I needed. I didn't need her to be this big, brawny, muscly woman to kind mm -hmm. of represent strength. Um and I, I'm, I'm glad that now that it's out, I think if you go see the film, it, it translates. Like, it's not something that's a, as big of an issue yeah. as you would think it would be. And from a comic logic perspective, her powers are magical anyway. Yeah, she's so, a demigoddess. Like, yeah. she, doesn't need, <laughs> she doesn't need a six-pack. But she's still, I mean, I would say it's very clear that the actress, she works out. Oh, absolutely. Um, you can yeah. still see the definition in the film. Mm -hmm. And, like, her, she's got muscles in her legs. She's got muscles in her arms. So when she does those scenes, it's very clear that, you know, she paid attention. She was doing her job. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was, an, that was a near of, of an issue, I think, for me once I finally watched the film. So let's let's get into the film then. Uh, what were some of the like standout scenes for you? What are things that were? Oh my gosh, there were so many. So when I first we were talking a little bit beforehand, but when I first went to go see it, the first uh, the first night, I think it was the Thursday night before it came out, I was really hyped about it. Um, I was so ready for it to be awful. I really had zero faith. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I I was really really nervous because it does mean so much to me. Um, so I was pretty positive that it wasn't going to be what I wanted it to be. And I came out of it with like this, okay, like it was great, but also so many things about it that I didn't like. Um, and I took my niece to go see it last week. Mm. Um, and we, and that was such a different experience. Um, the theater was still packed, by the way. It was out for a whole week and the theater was still packed, which awesome. I was very, very happy about. Um, but it was a lot different experience for me. And I think the major points of it is how for me just watching it was how inclusive the film was mm -hmm. um, not just as, on a woman's standpoint but just representing a lot of different cultures uh, especially from that time period mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of people's arguments about World War One and World War Two are that you know it was kind of a white man's story and I think we all know that that's not the case and they represented a lot of different stories which was really beautiful for me um but yeah, and then the, I think the dynamic between Steve Trevor and Wonder Woman, I hated the first time when I watched it. And we talked a little bit about that on my stream. We did. I was, telling, yeah, I was telling you how angry I was that they had this romance because it's not that elaborate in the comics. Good, I'm glad you're bringing this up because this is one of the things <laughs> I wanted to talk to you about. And it's another thing that now that I've seen it for the second time, I'm kind of going back and I'm hitting myself on the hand for. Um, because I think I have my own bias. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm a part of the LGBT community, so I have my own lens that I look through when I watch these films. Mm-hmm. I have my, my I guess my rolling of the eyes every time I see a heteronormative relationship in Hollywood because it's constantly there, mm -hmm. especially in comic books. Um, but now when I look at it for what it's worth, I can look at it and see that it was a healthy relationship, um, a relationship that a lot of people are looking at now and saying, wow, this is like ideal. They were mm -hmm. very equal. Uh, she protected him. He protected her. They had their bits of learning from each other, which was really beautiful, mm -hmm. which in most comic book movies, you see the guys leading and he's protecting the woman. Mm -hmm. um, it felt very like Lois Lane kind of switched around. He was Lois Lane. She was like the main figure leading him through the entire scene. Yeah, yeah. Which was really refreshing. I um, One of the things I found interesting, and in a lot of movies this actually bothers me, 
And uh, there was a specific moment in uh, The Force Awakens that kind of relates to this. So uh, there's a couple parts in the movie where Steve grabs Diana by the hand and leads mm-hmm. her somewhere. But mm-hmm. it's in, in a lot of action movies, that's like, I'm going to have to protect you now. And it's like the male instinct. And they yeah. and they don't shy away from that in this, even yeah. though Diana is way more powerful than Steve is. Yeah. And she yeah. should be the one leading him around. The, the the gender roles, especially in that period of time mm-hmm. and the fact that uh, I don't feel he's doing it because he's a male and she's a female. He's doing yeah. it because he's an adult familiar with this world and she's just yeah. like naive, innocent. Yeah. And he knows. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. Knows she knows nothing. Yeah. No, I agree. I think that was that was beautiful. They didn't try to fight the whole they didn't try to make it a feminist movie, mm. um, which is what. I love. And I think there was a lot of weight on that from a lot of different people um, because in the end it ended up being that, but mm-hmm. doing it in the right way, naturally, organically. Um, it wasn't about a female superhero. It was just about a superhero. Which is so and important. So important. And I I think just walking away with that was all I wanted. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened. She ended up being, it was just so beautifully done. It's been, it's probably, in my opinion, like the top of all of the superhero movies that have come out, both Marvel and DC. Wow. Um, they just executed it so well. And especially with that relationship, um, he would, he would lead her into the alley, like, hey, come on, follow me. Mm-hmm. Uh, why are we hiding? Why are we hiding? And she ends up, you know, saving him from all of the gunshots. And that was kind of the give and take on each scene that they had a major action moment. Mm. He would do his part and she would do hers. And, you rarely see that. Mm. The uh, the whole sequence of them being on the boat, leaving Themyscira, and then mm-hmm. being in London. That, that was a beautiful scene. That whole <laughs> sequence is maybe my favorite part of the movie because yeah. we really get to see Diana. She's almost childlike in her naivete. Where mm-hmm. like she, na- I said that word weird, naivete. <laughs> naivete. <laughs> um, to where, yeah, I'm being, I'm trying to be fancy with big words and stuff. Uh, but she's, she's very much like an innocent and doesn't feel constrained yeah. by all the uh, societal norms that oh, totally. other people. I love that. And mm-hmm. it, that was amazing. And it's one of the kind of endearing things about her character is the yeah. fact that she's so unjaded. And even by the mm-hmm. end of the movie, she's like, I've seen this stuff and I've been through all this. And yet still, I'm this beacon of hope and love. And that that is yeah. that is Wonder Woman. That's what she stands for. Yeah, love and compassion. Yeah. So it was amazing totally. to see that kind of endure throughout. Absolutely. And you talked about the boat scene, which is probably, I would say, hands down, one of my favorite scenes as well, when mm. they're traveling from Themyscira back to um, to London, to the, the front of the war. And that kind of comedy and that playful banter that they mm-hmm. both had together was so absolutely needed mm. for the buildup, in my opinion, for the buildup to the climax of, Completely the, agree. of the film, um, to kind of understand their dynamic, for it to be believable. Um Chris Pine did an amazing job. I think they honestly both did an incredible job at making it natural um, and organic. And I think that that scene, I think I read somewhere that it was improved. Really? Where, yeah, they were talking about um, just sexuality and, and sex and whether or not she knew anything about, you know, the male anatomy or, you know, how you procreate and that it was just killer. The line where she they're talking about uh, <laughs> having babies and she essentially says, you know, men aren't necessary for pleasure yeah. was hilarious <laughs> it was and so funny it was a great because i i kind of gave when i first saw the film i gave um a lot of hell for the 
the bath scene where he's getting mm. out and he uh, makes basically a dick joke. Mm. Like and, three of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like really, I hard, hard eye rolled in that scene. Yeah. I didn't think it was necessary. But the second time watching it, I think her joke on the boat, it kind of equals it. It's it's another play on the give and take. Mm-hmm. Um, she balances it eventually every time. And it's just so appreciated. I think that's kind of the beauty, too, when you look at the production and who produced the film. And you look at Patty Jenkins. She was the director. Mm-hmm. But also she was like working with a team of male writers. Um, and you kind of see that balance and how important that is and having those lenses, especially when producing a film for the first time that people have been asking for for decades. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they ultimately provided something really, really special with that. Yeah, it I've heard interesting to see what if a dude, a male, a very popular male director uh, directed it, if that would have had any difference. I think almost every movie nowadays, you need the balance of especially if you're representing both genders as prominently like uh, both Diana and Steve were almost co-headliners for a lot of this. Mm-hmm. It's hard to kind of separate one from the other because they were right. together almost the entire movie. Yeah. Um, so if you're going to do that, one would be like, oh, of course, Wonder Woman was written by a, a woman because the women are represented so well in this. But it's it's yeah. important to have both perspectives. So you had a female director, you had male writers. If a male directed it, I would have expected some female writers in the writer's room just to kind of offset the same way uh, Diana and Steve offset each other. Absolutely. And I I hope that this show represents now that it's kind of come out and it's been such a raging hit and everybody Mm -hmm. loves it, both male, female, any gender in between alike. They've all really, really enjoyed it. I hope that represents to Hollywood, you know, we can do this. Like women can direct major films. We can do major, especially comic based films. Um, I hope that really, really shines through because it was really good. One of the most uh, important things that I've heard about this, what this movie is doing is not only is it a major action movie led by a female lead, but it's also a major action movie with a female lead that's not overly prominent until she became Wonder Woman. Like her biggest credit before this was Fast and the Furious. Yeah. And she's not a major role in those movies. And she's mostly known for being a model. Mm hmm. And she's Israeli and she has an accent. Mm -hmm. So like all of these things. Yeah. Like you're bringing in so many new nuances into Hollywood um, that we haven't really seen. And it's made a lot of people angry. But I think it's like I've said several times, it's been really refreshing for a lot of us, um, which I had no problem with any of the casting choices. I think everybody was cast quite well Mm. and um, everybody did a really amazing job. One thing I will I will say though, as far as the narrative goes, I wish Ares would was someone else. Like mm-hmm. I wish it wasn't. What was it, Sir Franklin? I wish it wasn't him. Sir Patrick. Sir Patrick. Yeah. Sir Patrick. Um, now, do you do you why. wish Ares was someone else, or do you wish the person who played Sir Patrick was a different actor? No, I love that actor. I think okay. he does a phenomenal job. He's a great actor, um, especially on the tower when they had their moment with each other and he kind of kept disappearing and it mm-hmm. kept pushing the conversation forward. That was that great. That was beautifully executed. I think mm-hmm. that was really well done. Um, but no, I think it would have been so much spicier if they, because that was where they kind of derailed outside of the comic books. Agreed. Um, they, they made their own narrative choices. They wrote their own story. And... Although I didn't necessarily see it coming, it was still not as shocking as, say, what if it were Dr. Poison, 
which I was honestly expecting, and it would have been more satisfying if it were her. For some mm -hmm. reason, I really enjoyed the idea of a female like supervillain versus a female superhero. It would have mm. been really cool. Yeah. Um, which there's still there's still promise for that. Like she didn't die. Doctor Poison is alive. It's true. So we might see that in the future, which would be amazing. But she would have to live that long somehow. I, not that there's not a way. I mean, she is a chemist. She yeah, understands the body pretty well. Um, very true. Which, where do you think they're going to go with this? This going into. It's going to be interesting because Justice League is the next time we see Wonder Woman. I'm a little yeah. disappointed that we don't get a solo Wonder Woman in contemporary time before that because I want to see her go against some of her other rogues gallery before yeah. this other thing. And it's also funny, too, because uh, I think similarly, the weakest part of the movie, in my opinion, was the villain. Uh, mm -hmm. not, not necessarily again, the Absolutely. actor, but there was something no, visually, he didn't have the presence of like the God of war. Um, yeah. it was a little odd seeing a goofy mustache underneath that helmet, <laughs> little strange. Um, and also just the fact that the, the final battle was a one-on-one -on -one slugfest, yeah. which is the most boring way to end a superhero movie. It was very DC. Yeah, it was very DC. That was where um, I thought things got just not yeah. off the rails, but weaker than I had hoped for. Yeah, less satisfying mm. than you would want for an ending of a film. Totally. Um, very big, tons of slow mo, which that would be probably my biggest. Just why so many the fight that scenes was my other one. Yeah, as, <laughs> yeah, the fight scenes weren't as crispy as I would have liked them to mm -hmm. be. I think, especially in, in superhero films, they find it necessary to make it super special effecty mm -hmm. and to do the slow mo moments. Which, in all honesty, it's absolutely beautiful. But after it's done the three hundredth time, we don't want to see it again. Mm. I think having more organic fights would have been a lot cooler to see her like spar with somebody for mm -hmm. a long, like as a long time, actually fight with somebody. It would have been really nice. Um, I think my favorite battle scene though was the beginning with the the Amazon women. Oh women my god! Yes. Yeah, that was I was ready for it. Once I saw that, I was like, okay, these action scenes are going to be amazing. But after that, I was like, okay, maybe not. <laughs> that was it wasn't as exciting after that scene. Um, which can we talk about Robin Wright? Like, yeah, absolutely. What? Oh my gosh, I need her to have her own standalone. Like, we need a a backstory for Antiope. Is it Antiope? Antiope. Uh oh man. Antiope. Um, Antiope. Antiope is it? Yeah, we need we need a backstory for her. Um, I need to know more about her. She's probably my favorite character. She was a fascinating character because even in the comics, she started off as a rival to Diana. And then yeah. at some point they kind of rewrote her and made her like a part of the family and stuff. But yeah, she was, she was awesome. Like all the Amazons were great. The, the fight scene was unbelievably choreographed. There were some, uh, lackluster CGI effects throughout the movie. Yeah. Generally when it was a you person moving, they weren't ready for it to do well. Yeah. Like you could feel that that budget was kind of lacking, which was disappointing, but I'm hoping in the next one it'll be ready. Yeah. Um, but I mean, some of those problems were in Batman v Superman, too. It's just whenever whatever uh, issue DC's special effects studio has been having with animating uh, people, it's been yeah. throughout the movies, whereas Marvel seems to nail, have nailed that for the most part. It's still noticeable, but it's not as prominent as it yeah. is in a lot of these movies. But uh, like the slow-mo, you had said, there are certain times where it seems very appropriate, where like she's blocking a bullet, just yeah, like one cool. bullet, and you get that big like impact yeah. of it. But then like you have 
uh, Hippolyta jumping off the horse and doing like the spin. Like that wasn't oh, yeah. necessarily that didn't need to be slow mo at all. I mean, that was really cool, but like save that for yourself. You don't have to put it in the film. Yeah, yeah it didn't feel necessary at all. She could have totally um, done that at normal speed, and it would have been just as cool. Yeah, almost maybe cooler because it yeah. felt real and organic, like she wasn't on strings. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. I think they overdid the slow mo. I think they were they're trying a little bit too hard on that one. Um, especially when she goes into, I think it was definitely appropriate when she's in the no man's, no man's land scene, which was probably the most emotional scene for me because mm-hmm. I had never seen, I have never seen a, a woman, a strong woman, a strong symbol lead men into a battle. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was very, very, very emotional for me. Both times I saw it, I got chills. I cried a little bit, just a little bit. Um, especially when I took my niece, I was like, see this, this is a thing. Um, very important scene for me and watching, just watching that unfold. I think that was appropriate for the Mm slow-mo, um, seeing her say, no, fuck you, Steve. And then just kind of go into it was Mm -hmm. really awesome. But then the slow-mo going into the village, the fight scenes, I think every fight scene she had was super slow-moed, not Mm -hmm. necessary, not necessary. Although jumping out the window with that like flying knee, that was so clutch. <laughs> that was very cool. Which that could have been cool, like mm-hmm. just that. Yeah, if it was just that one, one thing, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so definitely, I think the fight scenes could have been um, worked on a little bit longer, but ultimately, and it, the film was really long, so it's not like they needed to add any time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm a little confused as to why they made that choice, but I think it's a. Uh, I think it's a visual thing that Snyder does that's just kind of carried over into the yeah. like the visual playbook of what DC movies have to look like. Yeah, how they choose to edit it. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and that's fine. That's a choice. But from what I hear, a lot of people didn't like it. Mm. Slow mos So um, maybe they won't do it as much in the future. They'll learn. They're figuring out how to course correct a little <laughs> bit. I mean, this movie's evidence of that for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. What was your favorite part? Um, okay, so. There was uh, obviously the battle on the island was great. I love the sequences through London and everything. But mm-hmm. there are um, I cried at the movie at three places. <laughs> I want to know. OK. You said that and I love that. So uh, the, the, the one that I cry the most at is when um, obviously when Steve Trevor dies and she's screaming and all that stuff. Um, it's very intense. When she looks at the photo of him at the end and touches it. That one. And then the one that got me, not the first time, but the second time, and Mm -hmm. I was not expecting it at all, is the first time she's in full costume when she steps onto No Man's Land. Yeah. no, I was was not expecting that, and it hit me so hard the second time because it's the first time you see her as Wonder Woman full on in the movie, and it's Mm -hmm. it's such an act of selflessness in the sense that like she she's been told how dangerous this is this is something you don't do but she's wonder woman yeah so fuck that like you said like (laughs) just get out there and the only thing that bums me out is the fact that we saw her in batman v superman already and and if this was the first time we ever saw the full wonder woman costume on screen it would have had so much more impact yeah, and I hear in Batman v Superman, she didn't have a lot of dialogue. No. Um, she was kind of a figure, which 
that's another reason why I didn't want to watch it because I really didn't want to be disappointed. She is the best part of that movie, though. Yeah, really. Yeah, there's no doubt. Yeah, I believe it. Oh, that's oh, that's so sad. But no, I'm I'm right there with you with that scene. My my first time I saw it, it took me like it hit me so hard, like I was immediately like gushing. Mm -hmm. And then the second time, it was a lot less because I was prepared. But my niece, what got me is my niece like grabbed my arm. And oh, I could wow. feel she thought that moment of like, oh, like it's her, like yeah. this is the this is what we've been waiting for, and that was just like I'm so glad I'm experiencing this moment with you right now. Like mm -hmm. it's really important that you're seeing this. Um, that was really really amazing for me. Another favorite moment too, I think that hit me really hard emotionally was um, when she. It's right after the village battle, right after she takes down the tower, mm -hmm. and speaking with Samir about. Um, what's his name? Charlie's the sharpshooter mm. about how he was having trouble, uh, you know, how they were all talking about how great of a shooter he was, mm -hmm. but he ultimately couldn't deliver in the end. Um, and you can tell, obviously it's because he has trouble continuing to kill people, mm -hmm. um, which I think is really beautiful because when you think about, especially here in America, we glorify, especially our snipers. Um, and we don't really think about how hard that is to kind of kill hundreds of people like, savagely yeah um with one weapon hidden behind a mountain they can't see you um i can only kind of fathom it in my head i can only imagine what it would be like and um you can tell that you know samir and her they're talking about this and she's kind of realizing okay all right all right uh it's not necessarily as as gray as good and evil anymore and um he has that moment where he says we all have our battles even you and i mm -hmm. And I, it just was like, oh, and I think maybe because it's like I'm in that time of my life where I'm kind of dealing with that. And it, it hit me for that reason. But I think it was really, really beautiful um, of them to include that. And even though it was kind of brushed over and there were a lot of moments where I think they made some major, major uh, opportunities to really deep dive into that subject. Mm -hmm. That kind of just the story just kept going and it kept progressing, even though um, they didn't continue on that. And yet those and that, moments are so important because those are your yeah. those are your character moments. Those are the things that DC has been lacking so far. Yeah. That's why Superman is this unlikable emo whining guy. Like, yeah, we saw in the first Guardians movie, one of the most powerful scenes in that movie has no dialogue and it's super fast. And it's when mm -hmm. Rocket they show Rocket's back. Mm -hmm. And you see all the bolts and stuff and you really mm -hmm. get a sense of what he's had to go through. Yeah. And it's so fast, but it's it's one of the most important things in there. And yeah. and a lot of the scenes in this were like that. A lot of those quick little conversations. Yeah. But they actually took the time to talk to each other, which is something yeah, exactly. they haven't been doing. Exactly. And I think that's something that was so refreshing about this film is there were so much. There were so many really slow moments mm -hmm. that they, they were just talking and it was just about building the narrative, mm -hmm. which I mean, you know, I love narrative based things, especially when they're really thick narratives. And I think this one is a lot more thick than they've ever tried to put on, um, especially there's another one that comes like right before they were getting to, I think, No Man's Land and they were at the camp with the chief. Mm -hmm. um, and you really you first realize that Charlie has a really hard time sleeping and that's when you learn that he sees ghosts yeah. um, and then they're talking she's kind of coming to realization that you know like I was saying everything's not so black and white and um, she's talking to the chief and he shares his insights about how you know his people were slaughtered as well and they look into that story of the Native American which I don't think we really see ever, mm. um, especially in American film. 
uh, we avoid that hard unless the whole film is based upon it. We avoid that conversation. Yeah. Um, I think that was, that was really well done. They didn't have to do that. Um, they could have just had him there and he, he didn't have to say anything, but they put that line in and I think that was really, that was amazing as well. There was a lot of those choices that I don't think not necessarily everybody understands as being as important as in, and uh, uh, as impactful as they were and really like humanize a lot of the characters like those yeah. like the the terrors for Charlie and stuff um, like the the scene in that same town what Veld or whatever it was called um, after she destroys the tower and she's standing yeah. up there and everyone looks at up at her and yeah. starts clapping there's uh, a detachment there where if they had left it at that scene feels like something out of Man of Steel, where like he's constantly this godlike figure standing above them. But then in the very next scene, she's ground level shaking hands with all the people in the town. And yeah. and that's so important, just regrounding her and yep. bringing her back to humanity. Because if out of any one of the DC characters, especially in the Justice League, she's the one who reaches out to humanity in that way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think you're totally right on that. Um, and they hit that hard in almost every scene mm-hmm. that she had her. And I mean, it drives it drives the narrative throughout the entire story. Um, something that I, I was really hung up on at the on the first uh, the first showing was just Steve Trevor and her and their relationship and how that seemed to be the only thing that drove the story that mm-hmm. kind of pushed the narrative. Um, but once I saw it the second time, I was kind of there with you, where I could see, you know, obviously this isn't just about. Uh, Steve, this is about, you know, her experiences that she's going through and Steve so happens to be right next to her through these experiences. And because they're sharing that, um, they do create that connection and that, that deep relationship, especially at the end where she's having, she's kind of, um, Aries bounds her with that metal, that metal piece. Mm-hmm. And she's, it's like that one minute of thinking she's maybe defeated. And of course we know she's not. Um, and she looks over and she sees, which was so beautiful for me, which is another mm-hmm. thing I want to touch on is the possibility of a friendship mm. versus the relationship with Steve Trevor. But she looks over at the squad, at Charlie, at Chief, at Samir. And you can see that face of like, no, like I can't let them die mm-hmm. because of me. Um, you can tell that she has that moment of I have to save them and she's gaining that strength again. And then, of course, she, she looks up at the sky and sees that the airplane explodes and that's like her last hurrah. That's her cherry on top. And she kind of freaks out, which was really awesome to see because mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of people have problems with seeing especially a female character kind of lose her shit. Yeah. And she lost her shit. And that was like that scream and that like that facial like that scene that the whole thing that they did there. Um, it was really, really beautiful. And, uh, you showed me that video of Max. What was it? it was Max, Max Landis. Oh my God. Max yes. <laughs> and I really, I think, um, his take on that ending was really amazing and beautiful and what could have been a really deep way of yeah. twisting the end. I'll link to the full um, video in the show notes, but for people yeah. that haven't seen it and that are just listening now, um, he basically goes on a thing where like us, he feels that Aries was just kind of a, a slug fest fight and it could have been so much better to watch Diana, not just overpower, but outthink, uh, outthink him because the, the, the ending that he suggested had maybe Aries as this, uh, bodiless entity that yeah. went into the bodies of people around her. So she yeah. would have to keep killing or knocking out all these people 
and then realize what she's doing and that she's feeding into exactly what Ares does. This is what he does. He makes people hurt each other. He makes people kill each other. And he was even starting to do that in what we did see when she lifts up the tank and was about to destroy Dr. Poison. When she does lose her shit, she basically is becoming everything that he wants her to be and then goes against it in the end. But the the thing that he really wrote that was kind of super smart and maybe would have been a way that we could have had Dr. Poison uh, last longer than just this time period is if they had had Ares jump into Dr. Poison's body at one point. And then uh, early in the movie, there was a part where Steve gets one of the gases that only paralyzes people and doesn't necessarily kill them. And they use that gas to then paralyze her, thereby trapping Ares instead of just destroying him. Yeah, yeah, trapping Ares inside of Dr. Poison's body as like a human prison, <gasps> which is so amazing. Good. Because my first thought, my initial thought when she's having the conversation with Steve um, on the tower and she's like, no, I killed Ludendorff. It's still happening. Mm-hmm. Why is it still happening? I killed him. He's gone. Ares is gone. And he has that serious conversation of maybe Ares isn't here. Maybe it's just men. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's you, too. Um, that was so beautiful. That's what I wanted. I wanted no Aries at that point. Exactly. And it would have been so dark. Yep. But I think that's such a true representation of the Wonder Woman universe, especially in the New 52. It's such a dark place. Mm-hmm. And, oh, God, that's what I wanted too. But, I, I mean, I see how hard that would have been to end the film yeah. with. Yeah. It's it getting into a whole complex area. Yeah. But it would have been super deep. And I don't know if the general populace would be ready for that. Yeah. Um, but man, oh man, that would have been absolutely beautiful um, if Ares was, in fact, not the bad guy. And Ludendorff, you know, was. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Poison was a part of that. And how it was generally, it just came down to humanity. Mm. Um, because at the end, it was kind of far-fetched for me. At mm. the end, when Ares dies, which we don't necessarily know. Right, because he's a <laughs> god and they don't. can do whatever. It's a comic book. Exactly. And we also don't necessarily know if Steve is dead. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially she, you know, heals him and everybody like the, both, both Nazi soldiers and, you know, the chief and Charlie, they all kind of come out of the stupor, like they're under a trance mm. and this, the, the sun starts to rise. And there's this beautiful scene of everybody kind of getting along, which mm-hmm. I think was kind of insensitive in my opinion. I, I honestly agree because if Ares is gone, we know this is world war one. We know world war two yeah. is going to happen. <laughs> so what's the excuse that time? <laughs> Like, it's a thing. Like, we know it's a thing. <laughs> right. Yeah, so I think, and I guess that's what I took away at the end, is that Ares doesn't necessarily, necessarily instill the evil. And I think that's what they tried to portray mm-hmm. in his monologue during this whole the whole fight scene, is that Ares doesn't necessarily instill the evil. He just enhances it. Mm-hmm. Um, he just makes it worse for everybody. And I think it would have been, yeah, it would have been so much more interesting if he just wasn't even there the mm-hmm. whole time. Um, but of course wouldn't have tied into the beginning of the movie and would have had to rearrange so many other things. Sure. Would have been really beautiful. One of the things that I heard that was super interesting that I didn't really consider at the time uh, was what they t- they say several times throughout the movie that it's about what you believe more so than anything. Steve has that conversation with her. Yeah. She brings yeah. it back up later on. Um, and yeah, yeah. And one of the things that I had heard was there's that part where, uh, all the grenades or missiles or whatever go off around Diana and she mm-hmm. can't hear when Steve is telling her all this stuff like and then they reveal it later 
that he's like, oh, I have to do this. I'm going to save today, but you're going to save the world. And he tells her he loves her and all that. The thing that I heard that I love, and I don't know if this was the intent of the movie, is that she didn't hear what he yeah. said. And, yeah. and that was what she believed and wanted him to say. And that's what fueled her because Ooh. that's what she believed. So that's in that moment of questioning what she was going to do. She fell back on her beliefs and her beliefs showed her what she loved and that Steve loved her and that she loved him yeah. and Ooh. love one in that case because of those beliefs. That would have been really Oh my God, that would have been so if they if they did that where we saw kind of her perspective mm-hmm. and he was you know going into the sky with the plane, saw what he and maybe they weren't really necessarily matching up. Mm-hmm. That would have been really interesting. Yeah. Oh man, why don't why don't we write this? <laughs> Hi DC, how are you? Well, we don't need to write. We just need we, we need to see the first cut of the movie. Just let us sit at the table. Yeah. Just let us we just we need revision revisions and whatnot Oh man i would have loved that that would have been really i think that's kind of the only thing that i'm other than the technical issues is the narrative lacked a little bit of depth Mm -hmm. Um, especially there were so many holes almost in every character Mm. where you could have gone deeper um granted it was a two and a half hour film but i think if you would have kind of taken some of those slow-mo scenes out you could have added (laughs) a little bit more narrative sure um yeah so that's that was my major my major take back from the the whole because it was very dc they set it up they mm-hmm. gave you your your base and they told you the story which by the way i think the themiscura the island steve crashing that was like to the t wonder mm, woman absolutely um, that was everything that you know wonder woman to be from her conception mm-hmm. so i think they did a really amazing job with that um, especially representing the different types of women on the island and also not even kind of, not even touching, like, the idea of them being, like, lesbian lovers mm-hmm. um, at all. Not even kind of insinuating I, that. I, I got the feel of that at one moment. One moment. Too. The Robin Wright moment where yes. she... Yes. And then the, hello, oh, the screaming from... What's the last name? the last woman that runs over? Yeah. 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 I, had a, I had a feeling they meant more to each other yeah. just based Which, on that. Yeah, and I yeah I totally felt that too when she made that kind of wail, mm-hmm. um, and I think that was a really beautiful directing choice. Thank you, Patty. We <laughs> appreciate you. Um, but ultimately, everything else like they didn't insinuate right. that there was. Which I mean, there's a whole entire fan base that dedicates their time to just that. <laughs> um, so I'm glad that they didn't make that choice. And the fighting and just the general, I think those were the good fight scenes. Was especially on the island. Mm-hmm. Um, with the different types of weapons and the different builds of women and different colors. And, oh, it was just so good. So, so, so good. That was probably, for me, the best produced part of the film. Mm. Um, Everything else, the narrative drove it, and I really kind of fell in love with it. We do know that we're going to see Wonder Woman in Justice League, but let's say that doesn't exist for some reason. What is your your ideal kind of situation for the sequel? My ideal would be furthering into her story. Um, I think obviously they had to tie in, you know, the Bruce Wayne franchise DC comics at the very beginning of the film. And you see that she's working at the Louvre and she's like working in the, uh, the antique, what was the antiquities department? It seems like working in the museum, which I think is super fitting for Wonder Woman. Absolutely. Like she's this lone ranger who like, I don't have, you know, I don't have any friends or anything, but I'm in my office and it's like, 
it's a ball in office. I'm a boss bitch. Like, she looks amazing in her clothing. Like the, the clothing choices are mm-hmm. amazing as well. And they, and I think that was very well um, articulated, especially for the female audience. They didn't make her over-sexualized in any way, shape or form. Mm. I loved um, the when, joke about the glasses. Like, oh, you're going to put glasses on her and all of a sudden that's yes. going to make her not the most attractive yes. woman in the world. Which Edda was actually in the comics one of my favorite characters when i go back and look at like how they created etta and in the film she wasn't executed very well Mm. um i mean i think she was she was she served a purpose in the film and she was great comic relief and but like in the comics she's wonder woman's best friend right and she there was a lot more for that i think that could have been shown and i think they could have they could show that in the in the coming films but of course you know that was world war one i'm assuming they were representing you know the beginning of the film was modern day yeah yeah so i don't i don't know how they would make that work um but yeah i think i would want to see more wonder woman today and see what she's doing uh today at in paris what is she doing in paris like what is she doing at that right right what is she up to so i think yeah seeing that working with one of her biggest enemies dr psycho i think seeing what that would look like in the Mm. films as well that would be really interesting um the fan outcry has been cheetah and i'm like she just beat the god of war you wanted to fight cheetah and I think what's awesome too about Doctor Psycho, when you look at, because there's so much backstory of the of the gentleman who, the gentleman of the man <laughs> who created Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. um, William Marston was a man ahead of his time, mm. and he had his own thing going on. But at the same time, he had a lot, um, as far as academia based, he had a lot going on. That's where a lot of his like superhero, I guess. Uh, what's the word? What's the word? What's the word? Background, knowledge, expertise. Yes, I guess so. No, his inspirations. There you okay, go. So his inspirations were coming from um, the world around him, and he—I I mean, ironically enough—he had a wife and also had a mistress, mm-hmm. and uh, pretty much believed that women were superior to men, which I mean makes sense as to why he would create Wonder Woman. He's not wrong. And, <laughs> and essentially, he had—he had crazy ideas about it all, but. I was a huge supporter of feminism back in the forties and he worked for a man, a psychologist Mm -hmm. who Dr. Psycho was based upon. Um, And this man essentially thought that women were useless, that it was a waste of time. Yeah. To teach us anything. Why are we even learning? Um, So Dr. Psycho being her main arch nemesis in the really interesting especially now that she's, I mean, a lot of people are talking about feminism. Some people are saying that this film was, men versus women which i don't think so not at all all. um i think it was a really beautiful representation of equality Mm -hmm. Um, and like i said earlier it wasn't a female superhero movie it was a superhero movie Mm -hmm. and that was executed i think finally um so to see modern day dr psycho and see that translated based upon modern day uh i guess perceptions of equality versus men and women would be really cool um, that's fascinating. It would push a lot of people's buttons and it would sell tickets like hell. Yeah. So I think they should do that. <laughs> I think they should do that. Well, I mean, they they open the door up for so much now. Like we were saying yeah. before, like the, the female-led superhero movie for it to be this big of a blockbuster and this big of yeah. a success. And I'm so happy that out of as much as I am a hardcore Batman fan, there are no secrets yeah. about that. Um, yeah. I'm so happy that. <laughs> the the movie that kind of turned things around for them was Wonder Woman because if yeah. this one failed the same way that the others did, uh, I think 
it might have to it, it would forcibly push them from a business perspective to think that it was the fault of a female-led superhero Female. movie mm-hmm. yeah exactly and i know you're totally right and it's going to go down in history mm-hmm. as kind of saving the franchise yeah um and I, th- I think they you could see that they were they knew like when they when they sh- when they restarted or not restarted they um recreated the beginning scene of the dc universe uh that scene at the beginning of the film what is it like the the small little intro that mm-hmm. they have the dc that was a brand new introduction it was, yeah. to the film so it kind of felt like all right we're starting over um we're sorry <laughs> here you go That's <laughs> i wish that like. was the case i really do <laughs> So I'm hoping in the future they are going to make those choices um, and continue to be, you know, whoever's whispering in their ear, take that advice because it definitely, it definitely showed um, some really beautiful. And, and as far as history goes, we're going to look back on this film mm-hmm. and see what it's done. And kind of like we've done with Wonder Woman in general, we, a lot of people, there's tons of history and, and research on her and her symbolism and how that symbolism kind of drove um you know the suffrage, the suffragette movement, and the uh, the women's liberation movement, mm. and they think that she was kind of the missing link in those two. And I think, although I wish her film came out, you know, years ago, it's kind of the perfect time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm I'm just really happy that it makes me finally. that much more excited. Uh, not only for the future of the DC movies, hoping that they really look at this. I know Justice League is already filmed, but um, it is being, uh, there are reshoots happening right now. I can't say those are in response to Wonder Woman, but part of it is the fact that uh, Snyder, for tragic reasons, unfortunately, had to step away from, I don't know if you heard about this. Oh, okay. Well, I won't get into the specifics of it, but it has to do with his family and something insanely tragic happening. Um, And he's had to, even though the film has like, initially shot the whole thing uh there are reshoots going on right now with joss whedon at the helm and that is because so now we have the architect of the marvel cinematic universe finishing up the justice league movie and not only that but he is he is uh going and i don't know if you've heard about this is he is writing and directing a batgirl movie at the moment for the dc universe as well See, and that's exactly i think the beauty of what this film has done and, mm-hmm. and it's it's success and thankfully those who have written the really great reviews because there have been some really awful reviews that have actually they've gone back and retracted their review because of how much hate they got mm. um but there have been some really amazing like the new york times wrote a really awesome review vulture wrote a really awesome review and i think that's kind of what you know the hollywood relies on or is that because mm-hmm. um, it gets people in the seats and i think it's just the sky's the limit from here when it comes to um inclusivity in especially comic book movies mm. you'll see batgirl you'll see hopefully like miss marvel that would be really cool oh miss marvel's happening um, is it happening or not or not miss marvel happen? but uh captain marvel captain marvel yeah female it, thor like is that gonna be a thing that they do i think it's a possibility i believe the infinity war that's mm-hmm. coming the the marvel like big double part thing like mm-hmm. um chris evans was only contractually obligated to do one of the two parts and Mm -hmm. said in an interview that he agreed to do one more movie in the second part because it's going to kind of wrap everything up. So I think Mm -hmm. the intent is to kind of, because they can't keep these guys doing it forever. Right. They need to start moving and they have modern iterations of some of these characters like 
the Jane Foster Thor character. Like, yep. um, there's the uh, what? Uh, I can't think of her name. There's a a, a a black female who is taken over as Iron Man in a way. Yep. Um, and now she has a different name though. Iron something. Iron. It's not Iron Maiden because that's <laughs> that's that's too easy and uh, possibly in, infringing on trademarks. But. Um, <laughs> I can't no, I can't I remember what I can, I yeah so they have all these that. new versions of the characters there's a new Hulk there's uh Falcon as Captain America so like they're possibly yeah. setting up all these things for like the next generation of the MCU yeah and that's that's gonna be very beautiful and I think Wonder Woman is kind of the head of that and that and she will be known as the um her I think this, the movie's success mm-hmm. will be known as what kind of gave everybody else the okay to do it because uh, I think people have been talking about this for a while. Batgirl yeah. has been talked about for a what Catwoman, the re- redoing Catwoman and not making it so garbage has been <laughs> talked about for a while too. Oh, the, there was there was another Catwoman movie. I'm, I I <laughs> let's 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 just pretend there wasn't. As much as a Batman fan I am, I've never seen that movie. Refuse. Oh my god. Refuse. So bad. It was so bad. I was so young when I saw it too. It was so bad. <laughs> But um, yeah, no, I think they did uh, they did it justice. And like I said, the first time I watched it, I was ready to hate it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the second time, it really, I think it resonated with me even more. Um, and I can't wait to see what else they do. Same. I really can't. Same. I think that's and a good place to uh... the same. Yeah, call it. <laughs> Start wrapping it up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, we've said pretty much everything. I think we can say the movie or we could go on for another hour or so. Believe it or not, oh, it's, yeah. been, it's been a while. Um, has it been like an hour? Oh, it's it it's been, been a little over 50 minutes or so. Um, but I like we said, I absolutely love the movie. Um, I I recognize how important it is for society as a general uh, in general. And not only that, but just Hollywood, because Hollywood seems to get stuck in these grooves of doing the same thing over and over uh and it's nice to see them taking a chance like this despicable me (laughs) yeah oh yeah yeah. (laughs) more because we need more minions all the time right everywhere um but yeah uh one woman was great um i'm glad you liked it and that it lived up to your expectations um and that's if you're watching you saw it already hopefully well yeah (laughs) based on all the spoilers we just went over hopefully you've seen it it. yeah and if you've already watched it go watch it again because why not it needs all the money it can get just to make it as big a success as possible cool so leading for a while now so it has it has and it will probably go for a while longer i have no doubt i don't see anything dethroning it anytime soon yeah so as we are wrapping it up what can we plug for you? Where can people check you out? Right. I'm a person. You're a person. Um, I'm a person. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash Todd Real. Um, hopefully by the time this is posted, I'm back to streaming my regular stream. <laughs> um, also on Twitter, uh, you can follow me at Todd Real Gaming and on Instagram and Snapchat at Todd Real Gaming as well. Snapchat's my new favorite thing. Is it now? Um, it is. I have a lot of phones. <laughs> oh, boy. It's probably like out of all of the ones I just listed, I would say that one. Uh, Snapchat is the best. Wow. Uh, so yeah, that's me. Awesome. Uh, for everything else we do, you can go to thegeekgeneration.com. If you use iTunes, please rate the show and write a review. We always appreciate those. You can watch live podcasts, cooking and gaming at twitch.tv slash thegeekgeneration. Follow at Geek Generation on Twitter and support the show by going to thegeekgeneration.com slash support. You can send your emails to podcasts at thegeekgeneration.com and tell us how much you also loved Wonder Woman. 
And as always, the show theme is provided by Machine Supremacy. A link to their site can also be found on our site. Todd, thank you so much for joining me this week. This was so much fun. Yeah. Yes, I loved it. And we'll have you back for uh, some stream talk too in the future. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be here. Thank you. Thank you. Make it so.